Today we celebrate this great feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. And it's really a reminder of something that we celebrate really at every single Mass. Every single week we celebrate this. But it's important to reconsider it, to rethink about the mysteries we celebrate, to avoid just going through the motions. What Jesus did at the Last Supper, what we celebrate every single weekend. So let me deal with a little bit of history, not too much, but the, let me say that the first Christians, they all believed in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And that was from the very beginning. In fact, the first person who challenged that was a person who lived in the, in the year 1000. And his name is Berengarius of Tours. He lived in France. He was the director of the cathedral school. So he was very much interested in language. And so he suggested that maybe we should call it a symbol. And that was the first time. Of course, some other bishops spoke against that. They said, no, that's a bad idea. There was a council. They got together. And they defined that after consecration, not only we call it a sacrament that is a sign, but the true body and blood of Christ. The Catholic, Catholic sensibility always has grasped at this from the earliest time. And one example is the life of St. Justin Martyr, who died in the year 170, approximately. But a couple of years before his death, he wrote an apology. And the apology is really a defense of the faith and an explanation to the Romans, to people who did not know about Christianity in general, what we Christian and Catholics believed. And this is what he says about the Eucharist. For not as common bread and common drink do we receive this, but in like manner as Jesus Christ, our Savior, having been made flesh by the word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation. So likewise, have we been taught that the food but which is blessed by the prayer of his word, that in Greek is Eucharist, and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished, is the flesh and blood that Jesus, of that Jesus who was made flesh. So he is very clear in explaining the first Christians and, and non-Christians, <clears throat> the reality about what we believe. But that has gone throughout the centuries, really. For instance, Flannery O'Connor, the great American writer, she mentions one time being in a reunion with a lot of journalists and smart people. Some were very fa famous at the time. There was one person, her name is Mary McCarthy, she was very famous at the time. She describes her feelings at that, in that meeting in the following way. She says, I felt like a dog that knows one trick but has forgotten it. She was so insecure. And so Mary McCarthy, being a lapsed Catholic, 
reaches out to her and trying to hold a conversation, she says, well, the Eucharist, it's, it's really a great symbol. She makes that comment. And Flannery O'Connor, being of a, a shy nature, she responds famously, well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. Which is pretty strong language. If it's a symbol, the hell with it. And for my money, that's good theology. She hits right on the mark. If this is only a symbol, guys, let's go home. There's nothing else we can do here. It's just us remembering something, but that's all there is. That's why today the emphasis is what we call the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. The real presence of Christ. We use that to signify that really it's not a figure of speech. It's not a symbol. We are not talking spiritually. It's not in our minds. It's not a project projection of our minds. It's objective. It's on the altar. It's a flesh, flesh and blood of Jesus. In the past half century, especially the second half of the 20th century, there, there was a lot of turmoil regarding many topics, but this one was one of them. And some people try to, you know, they had different opinions. And so Pope um, Paul VI, who, just to refresh your memory, he was the one who lived through most of uh, the Second Vatican Council and brought it to a conclusion. He knew that he had to come out with some sort of clear statement about what do we, as Catholics, really believe. And he wrote an excellent document. It's called Mysterium Fide, which I hardly recommend to you. It's short. You can find it online. And in that um, document, he says the following. This presence is called real, by which it is not intended to exclude all other types of presence as if they could not be real. But because it is, it is presence in the fullest sense, that is to say, it is a substantial presence by which Christ, the God-man, is wholly and entirely present. If, I, if there's some doubt about this, let me clarify with one very simple example. If I give you a call, right, and you happen to pick up the phone, because if you don't know my number, you won't pick up. But suppose you pick up the phone, and we have a conversation, right? Well. Am I present to you? In a certain way, yeah. My voice, I don't know how, appears on your phone and you listen to me and, and we agree to meet at 4 p.m. on a certain day. If I send you a note, do I make myself present to you? In a certain way, I do. And you might appreciate it. And you may think, how thoughtful. And you might like it all the more if there's a $50 bill inside for Christmas. I am present, but it's not the same presence as the one we're having here to each other. Physical presence. 
That is what we mean. Jesus, it's, it's not that this presence excludes other presence of Christ. Is present Christ in the is Christ present in in creation? Of course, he's the maker of it. Is Christ present in the world what is when he's proclaimed and read with read with faith? Of course. Is Christ present in my neighbor who is in help and in need of help? Of course. Jesus said, whoever you do for the least of my brothers, you do unto me. But the fullest presence, the peak of the mountain of the presence is in the Eucharist. That is why it's the source and summit of the Christian life. <clears throat> it's where everything goes and from where everything flows at the same time. It's kind of hard when you start to think about the Eucharist because our imagination is not good enough, so to speak, to picture the mystery. And that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. And I remember when, when I was growing up, and I, I, I recently, well, this morning we had First Communions. And not too long ago, I was visiting the classes of, of the kids who were going to receive First Communion. And one of them uh, said something that I remember I thought back in the day. So he raised his hand and said, I don't, I don't understand. So you receive Christ, I receive Christ, everybody receives Christ. Correct? Correct. Like, and he said, so I'm receiving the finger and he's receiving the lung and someone else is receiving the ear. How does it work? And well, if that is true, which is not true, we would be receiving a corpse. And so you don't receive a part of Christ. You are receiving the whole reason body of Christ who was nailed to the cross and is risen at the right hand of the Father. That is what you receive. You receive the entirety of Christ, not a part, not something, the whole Christ. And more than that, very important, you're not receiving a thing. You're not receiving something. You're receiving somebody. And that's why we should receive Christ with the utmost reverence and love. Because we are receiving him. And the way you receive communion, whether you receive on the tongue or on the hand, doesn't matter. Receive with that same love and care and protect the Lord. You, you have the Lord of the universe in your hand or on your tongue. That should blow our minds. Yes, it is a mystery. It's a mystery beyond what we can totally, completely understand. And it is a little bit crazy to think about this. But it's a mystery that is possible through the words of consecration, which are the words of Christ himself. We say it right after consecration, the mystery of faith. To raise our faith in what we are celebrating, the mystery of faith. And what do we respond? We proclaim your death. We announce your resurrection. 
It is a mystery indeed by the power of Christ, something that escapes our senses. Have you ever read The Little Prince? The Little Prince? Petit Prince in French. Saint-Exupéry. Incredible book. It's written for kids. You should read it. It doesn't matter how old you are. And if you have read it, reread it because it's fabulous. It's about this little uh, prince who goes around from planet to planet. And in each planet, he finds different characters, different adults. And he doesn't understand any of them. He thinks they are weird and are out of their mind. And he has a little fox that he has tamed and a little rose that he cares for. It's, as I say, read it to your nephew if you want, but read it for yourself as well. One of the most famous phrases in that book is the following. He says at one point, and now here is my secret, a very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Can you see your soul? No. Can you see the blood and body of Christ in the Eucharist? No. What's essential, it's invisible to the eyes. And this is only possible through the power of Christ who can do all things because what he says, he effects. So our language, most of the time, is descriptive. We describe things. We narrate things. We tell stories. We tell, like, we went on a trip, and then we come back home and tell people how it was and how we felt about it, and it's great, and all this. And that is, we describe our experiences for the most part. But our tiny little language has another capacity, at sometimes, not always, to be not only descriptive, but transformative. If, for instance, you say something or very mean to a person, you can hurt the person. And you probably have had that experience. But you also had had probably the experience of someone saying something really positive and affirmative to you who really build you up. So words have an effect sometimes much more the words of Christ. He created the universe by his word. Let there be light. And there's light. Pick up your mat, he said to the paralytic, and walk. And he stood up, picked up the mat, and went home. That is the power of the words of Christ. And that's when, why, if you pay close attention to the Mass, you will notice that the priest, when it approaches consecration, it goes from speaking in the third person, describing the Last Supper, to speaking in first person, because he's speaking in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, with the power of Christ. And those words are the words of Christ himself. 
And that is why the Last Supper happens again, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all at once are here at the altar every time we celebrate the Mass. Shouldn't we be on our knees? That's why we're going to do the procession with the Blessed Sacrament. That's why we should adore the Lord. That's why we should com commit ourselves to do adoration on a regular basis. Because we need to adore this sacrament. There's nothing else we can do. Just adore the Lord who's there for you and for me, who nourishes, nourishes us, who's really present. <laughs>